first, but it's all right. It's first Sunday, so it counts, right? I am the new year. I am uns- unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I am your opportunity to practice what you have learned about life during the last 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant when you have fewer conflicting desires. All that you dreamed of but didn't dare do, all that you hoped but did not, did not will, all the, all the faith that you claimed but did not have, sl- that have, did not have slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong person, I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, like I said, unless you live in a cave, you know the year changed. Brand new year. Now we have to get used to writing 2019 on your checks and on everything else because it's harder. You know, when I was younger, I had a harder time writing the new year than I do now. I don't know why that is. I guess there's very few things when you get older you can focus on and, and try to convince people that you're not old so you'd remember to write the two next year, right? Anyway, it's a new year, and I'm kind of glad for it. You know, I kind of gave up saying uh, this year's got to be better than last because I don't want it to prove me wrong. (laughs) But it doesn't matter, see? Everything that happens is an attitude. We're not responsible for what happens to us, but we are responsible for how we respond to it. If we respond negatively, it's going to be a negative experience. If we respond positively, it'll be a positive experience. We can determine whether or not we want to learn from everything that happens. But God is always there to help us through it. If God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. So we need to remember that in this new year. I had to remember that last year. You know, I don't like having three surgeries in one year. It isn't my favorite thing to do. But it doesn't matter. Life happens. And when you get older, everything that you hurt when you was younger hurts. So all you young people that think you're uh, bulletproof and, and hurtproof and everything, and, and that way you hit 55. I woke up at 55 and I wondered what happened to me. Everything hurt. I mean, I had surgery, a lot of surgeries before but um, from injuries and things, but I'll tell you. Just woke up one day and I'm at Kenya. You hardly walk and you hardly move. Say, man, what happened to me? Well, I slept wrong. Everywhere? My mattress ain't that bad. I got a lump everywhere in my bed. (laughs) We bought a new mattress because my husband says, ah, that old mattress just doesn't work. So he got a really hard one and I'm going, oh, man, I'm dying. So I got one of those toppers for it. And uh, it helps, but I'll tell you, some days it just doesn't matter. You wake up and, you know, you have to get the, what is it, the grease gun out and kind of lubricate everything so when you get up you don't snap, crackle, and pop because that's your favorite cereal when you get older. (laughs) Snap, crackle, and pop. And hopefully it's just the noise and not the actually snap, crackle, and pop. (laughs) But it's a a new year, and and I'm thankful for that. I kind of look forward to the new year's. And no matter what this year holds, I know that I'm older now. And Randy and I celebrated our anniversary yesterday. 
And, it, uh, you know, you look back and how many years we've been together, and I'm going, wow. For some people, that's like six husbands. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe had already had four husbands by now. And so the other famous movie stars, every time you turn around, they change their husbands like they change their toilet paper thing roll. Because they don't understand what marriage is. It's a commitment. Well, I don't love you anymore. Tough, get over it. Get on your knees. Look at all the good and positive things. Remember why you fell in love with them in the first place. And be committed. And that'll, that, that helps. I guarantee it. It'll help. If you made a New Year's resolution, have you broken it already? I used to say I'm not making any New Year's resolutions because I don't want to break them. Because when you promise something, because you're promising it to yourself. But see, God is the witness when you do. And sometimes we're stupid enough to tell people what, what they are, what our uh, resolutions are. And then when we break them, they let us know, ha, 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 you didn't make it a week, you didn't make it a day. So don't tell anybody, if made resolutions, let it be between you and God. Now, I made a resolution this year not to preach so long. Let's see how long it is before I break it. <laughs> I'm going to try. I told, I told Randy that I'm going to try to not preach so long. I'm trying to figure out how I can cut some of the stuff out or make two sermons out of it instead of one. But, you know, if it's good and the Lord's there, I don't care how long someone preaches to you. That's where you say amen. All right. So if I go over and break my resolution, just pray for me. So hopefully I'll quit speaking when God wants me to. Amen? There was a couple who were sitting with a marriage counselor for their first session. And the doctor asked them to identify what seemed to be the root of their problems. The wife responded, it all started when we thought it would be cute to think up each other's New Year's resolutions. That would cause a fight, wouldn't it? <laughs> we all have an idea what other th things people should change in their lives, don't we? But don't make a resolution to tell them. Just pray for them. Let God tell them. Because when we tell them, it's going to cause problems. I know in a marriage it's fun getting in fights because that would certainly cause an argument. I guarantee it. If Randy started making resolutions for me, we'd, be, we'd have an argument. We try to avoid arguments. We don't, we don't argue that much. We have this rule if he's very, uh, has a really strong position on something and I'm no big deal one way or the other, we do it his way. And if I have a, a very strong opinion about something and he's not really matter to him, we do it my way. But if we both have a strong opinion about something, we do it his way. <laughs> because that's biblical. Of course, then it's, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, we to ourselves tell each other, see, it's right to tell you then. Should have done it my way. But don't tell them, just pray. Try, try to avoid telling them that. But when we do that, do things God's way, the, God, the way God tells us to in the Bible, because God covers, covers everything. He has a lot to say about marriage if we read it. And I know the men like to read the scripture, obey him. I'm the head of the house, you're supposed to obey me. It doesn't say that. We're supposed to joint heirs with Christ. I know that through the years in, in Muslim countries and even here, the Muslims believe that women are property and they don't have no opinion. Their opinion is their husband's opinion, period. 
But that isn't what God said. Jesus is the ones that set us free. And we stand equal at the cross. And when the men realize that, life is a lot easier. But now we've gone to the root, reverse in the pendulum, haven't we? Now, there was a Me Too movement. Oh, somebody said to me, they did something 20 years ago. They said something inappropriately. So now they gotta be punished. Now, I had a lot of things happen to me that was inappropriate. And if I bring it up now, what good would it do? Harm people's lives? Destroy people? Destroy their families? For what? Now, I understand if, they, if it's a behavior they're still engaging in, it needs to be addressed. But uh, don't just try to ruin people's lives, because I guarantee you, somebody can dig something up on everybody that's here. I wouldn't want my life on the front page of the news. So I said, if you run for office, you better be prepared to have every mistake that you've ever committed, everything that you've ever wrote, written on the front page of the news. That's the bad thing about technology. They can go back 10 years and find out what you said. These texts, these texts that you, every text that you sent that they can recover. And Twitter, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not on Twitter. I, I Twitter myself right into a, a, a lot of unfriendships. <laughs> I have a problem now on Facebook when I post stuff because a lot of people don't like it, but I don't care. You know, they post stuff I don't like. And when I ask them about it, some things that are really inappropriate, like four-letter words and other things and, that I don't particularly care about, their response was, if you don't like it, unfriend me. And I says, okay, that's how it works. All right, I'm all right. I'm free to go. That's my marching orders. <laughs> Not that I needed any. But, uh, <laughs> so, but when you're married, you can find out that you can have the benefits of making up without the argument. That's the secret. And uh, you can avoid a lot of arguments if you just think before you speak. It's amazing. Things just come out of our mouths that we don't mean to say. We need to stop them. We need to tell ourselves, give our mind 10-second rule and think about that. You know, our minds work so fast, it's amazing. God has, has helped me with that, not say things, just blurt them out. Sometimes I do. But I figure it's God's will if I just blurted it out because you, I try to filter, filter, filter. Some things you can say in a nice way. So we need to say things in a nice way. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Making things new is God's specialty. And one way to tell if we're saved is by looking in our lives and see if we're a new creation. If our lives haven't changed from when we, before we came to Christ, then we're not saved. Those aren't my words, those are God's words. Now I know it's easier for some of us that were really good sinners before we got saved. I mean, I went to church, and I did a lot of things, and I thought I was saved. But I didn't get it. You know, I had it up here, but I didn't have it down here. And that's the secret, getting it here. Once you get it here, it's a lot easier to live for God. But I was a better, a really good sinner. And so when I look back on my life, I can see the changes are really evident. But people that are raised in the church, they think, well, man, am I saved? Am I not saved? If we look and examine our lives, we can know God will help us. 
We know what's right and what's wrong because God tells us. And if we're doing the things that are wrong that God doesn't want us to, and it doesn't bother us, then we need to check our hearts. Because God wants us to have a clean, pure heart. Now, our testimony is the one thing that we have, again, to know when we're saved. We can tell people about our lives and how God has changed it. You know, it's easier for me because people that used to know me, and I have a lot of friends that still, you know, knew me back then, and they know the difference. I meant we're still friends. We try to avoid certain things, but uh, when we go out and we meet, and I ask if it's okay if I pray before we eat. I mean, we've been friends, what, for 60 years, <laughs> 70 years? Not 70 years, 60 years. So, you know, they know everything that I was. So I ask that, if they say no, then fine, I'll just pray by myself silently. But they've never objected. People that actually are all your friends won't care. So what? Big deal. And if they don't want to be around you because of that, your friends change when you get saved. I guarantee it. All our friends changed. We used to have a lot of friends. We'd come around, we played cards, and went out, and all kinds of things. And as soon as we got saved, they didn't want to be around us anymore. We weren't fun anymore in their eyes. But our best friends, that's been, been our friends for over 40 years, and probably 45 for Randy, they're still our best friends. And they came to Christ. And she passed away a little over a year ago. And, you know, I'm kind of a little mad at her because now she's run the streets of gold and we're still here. <laughs> but she had a lot of health issues, and so we're kind of, I'm happy for her. Her husband is, you know, kind of lonely, and so we, we, you know, we pray for him and we try to visit him when we can. But you can have good friends, and good friends sometimes become believers if you are willing to share your testimony. People can't get saved if you don't give them the opportunity. Of course, the best thing we can do is pray for them, pray that God will give us the words to say, or God, pray that God will send somebody to them that they will listen to. Sometimes people don't listen to us because we're too close. But someone else, they'll listen to. So we need to realize that. <clears throat> Let's see, after we become believers, we're so excited that we're running around tell everybody that we're saved because there's an excitement in us. But after a while, it kind of sits down to day-to-day -day living, and we kind of lose some of that excitement. Same thing happens when we get married. When we get engaged, man, we're running around telling everybody else, and we're showing them our ring, and, you know, oh, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm really good. Oh, I really got to, you know. Oh, I know, ladies, you did it too. So we're excited about it. And we're excited when we get married. Man, everything, you know, is so exciting at that time. But then, you know, 40, 50 years later, that newness isn't there no more. But there's no reason for it not to be. See, when we settle in, when we settle and not excited about God and are excited about being married, they fail. Marriages fail because people have lost the excitement. And it's easy to get the excitement back when you remember the things that drew you to each other. Why did you fall in love with that person? And look at yourself. Am I different now than I was then? You know, sometimes we expect our, you know, things to change and we just kind of, well, I'm not going to clean the house today. I'm married now. I don't have to. 
I'll clean it next year. You know, that isn't going to create for harmony in the home, especially if your husband wants a clean house. So clean the house. <laughs> so the things that we do when we first get married, we kind of forget to do. We forget to make our spouse special. When we treat them special, then they, when they're out in the world, they're not going to say bad things about you. And if you're saying bad things about your spouse, stop it. Because that creates a, a seed of things that separates you and creates a seed that's going to grow in your heart. So don't say anything bad about your spouse. I don't care what they've done. Tell God about it. Or come and tell the pastor. But do not tell your friends. You need to do it, do it the right way. And when you do, it's amazing how things change. But when you go to work and you tell everybody how bad your wife or your husband is all the time, they're going to think that that person is a dirtbag. And they'll say, why are you staying with him if he's doing that or if she's doing that? I wouldn't stay with him. And you get all this negativity into your life and they're just trying to help you because they're your friend. They want to be on your side. Well, it isn't a matter of sides. When we got married, we got married for better and worse. I tell people if the worst happens, then you got to pray through it. <laughs> There's some people I've told them they need to get a divorce. It doesn't happen often, but I do tell them. God allows for divorce. Isn't God's will for someone to stay in an abusive relationship? That isn't God's will. Go home and become a punching bag for somebody? That isn't God's will. So, anyway, that's not even my notes. That was free. So that adds to my length of my sermon, see? That's what the problem is. <laughs> but anyway, the same thing happens in marriage, and that's why so many fail. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Now, we need to think about that part of the verse. Because God hates sin. And it's only because of his love for mankind that he doesn't destroy this place. I'll tell you, if I was God, there wouldn't be anybody left on this planet. Especially liberals. <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd have a hard time with it. I guess that's why I'm not God. <laughs> Don't plan, plan to be God. All we can do is pray. But God loves us so much that, that he puts up with things because he wants everyone to be saved. That's why Jesus came. Because he loved us so much that he wants to change us. He wants us to be saved, to be able to live through eternity with him. That's what he wants. <clears throat> And knowing his compassions new every morning, that should excite us. John, John 3, 3 through 6. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, Nicodemus was very con uh, confused about this because Jesus told him in order to be saved, you need to be born again. And man, I'll tell you, that threw him for a loop because he didn't, that's not something he heard before and he didn't really understand. And he was a rabbi. He should have known that. And later in the verses, the chapter, God asked him that. says, you're a teacher and you don't know these things? Now, being born of water is a physical birth. For those of that you don't know, when a mother carries a baby, she carries it in a, in a womb that's, or a protection of water that the baby is in. And when they're born, the water breaks and the baby's born. That's physical birth. But that isn't good enough. <laughs> to be born again, we have to be born by the Spirit. And in order to do that, we have to accept Christ as Savior. Now remember, we're born dead. Because when Adam sinned in the garden, we're born with a sin nature. Our nature, our spiritual nature is dead. It needs to be born again in order to be revived, in order to be able to accept God's love and allow him to come into our life. Before we are born again, we have labor pains, just like women do when they, have, they give birth. And that's called conviction. I was convicted before I became a believer, and maybe some of you remember that. Now we sit there in a the church or, or wherever we're at, and we're just sitting there, and, and the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with us and deal with us, telling us we need, to, we need to give our hearts to God, and we're fighting it, and we're fighting it. We said, oh, I'm already a Christian, and we argue with it, and all this stuff's going on. That's the labor. That's the conviction that the Holy Spirit has to trying to draw us to him. Now, we can fight it and never be born again. We have that choice. A woman has no choice but to give birth. When she goes into labor, that baby's coming whether she wants it to or not. <laughs> there isn't anything she can do about it. But we can fight labor pains to become a believer. Now, angels can't be redeemed because they aren't born physically. So they can't be born again spiritually. And they'll say, well, that was, that's harsh. Not really when you realize that they're in heaven and they see God the way that we will be able to see him one day. Face to face and not be destroyed. So they've seen everything. They've seen all of heaven. They've seen all everything that God has done. And yet they, if they sin, there's no redemption for them. See, we can be born again because we haven't seen all that. One day we'll see all that, but we have to accept Christ by faith. And we live by faith. And then one day we will see him, and we will see the angels, and we will see everything that God has prepared for us. But only if we're born spiritually. And we can only do that by accepting Christ as our Savior. Ezekiel 26, 28a. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. In Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant I will make with them in the days to come, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and write them on their minds. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit to live inside them. They were anointed at times to speak God's word. And they're the ones that taught the people. 
They didn't have no individual Bible. They didn't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their lives teaching them things. So they had to believe whatever they were taught. And that's, we live in a world like that today. We have a whole bunch of people that are believing things that's being taught that isn't God's word. And they don't have the spirit inside them to let them know that it's wrong. Sometimes they get this little voice of God telling them that, and they don't understand, maybe don't understand what it is. That's another reason why we need to share our testimony. So people, it'll help people get out of that religion and come into a relationship. So... If you wanted to be a believer then, if you wanted to make heaven under Old Testament standards, you had to live by the Old Testament rules and the laws, the Ten Commandments, plus the 670 or whatever it was, other laws that they made, sub-laws, that they made for them to live by. And we think that's a lot, but if we knew how many laws that we have in our country that's made, it'd be staggering. I don't think we can count them, can we? Thousands and thousands of laws that we haven't even heard of. Some places are still a law that you can't spit on the sidewalk. I'm kind of for that law sometimes, you know, especially if you're walking behind them. Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> but you got to spit, you got to spit. Do it in the gutter. <laughs> so but there's a lot of laws there. And, uh, but when we're born again, we receive the fulfillment of those verses. See, I want to look at God's gift of newness that he's provided for us, especially in the new year. First of all, newness means a new heart. Now, in the Old Testament, it's kind of weird that they thought the liver was a place of love, joy, sorrow, compassion. All those things come from the liver. Now, I love you with all my liver doesn't sound too romantic, does it? So the New Testament, we change, we change that so we understand that. And the heart was where the seat of wisdom was, the place of memory, where they made plans and came to a decision, was with their heart. Now, I think that that's good that we make decisions with our heart because if God's living in your heart, you're going to make right decisions. If you don't, God will let you know. But the heart is also the place of our downfall. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and is exceedingly corrupt. Who can know it? Have you ever said to yourself, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe I said that. You know why we did that? Because our heart is corrupt and exceedingly wicked. Without God in our lives, our hearts just run the wrong direction because of our sin nature. The good news is that God says, I will give you a new heart. Now, there's a lot of people out there that's longing a new heart. Or a cleansing, cleansing of the heart you got, one or the other, whatever it might be. The second gift of newness means a new spirit. John 16, 13 says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, like I said, when the Jesus left and went to heaven, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit unto you, and he will lead you in all truth, and he will teach you things, and he will help us understand the word. That's a promise that God made when he left. But he didn't leave. He just left physically or with his spiritual body, whatever you want to call it. The same kind of spiritual body we'll have one day. 
He said, I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you a sense of spirit, and he will live inside you. Now, that's such a gift that the prophets would have just loved because the prophets weren't not anointed 24-7. They were anointed when God, when God spoke to them and wanted them to give a message. And they wrote it down, and then they wrote it to the people. Well, in a day-to-day lives, they only live for God by pure will. I meant, man, I can't even imagine trying to live for God like that, especially now in this world we live in. Of course, like I said, this world isn't any more corrupt than it was then. We just have easier ways to sin. We've got, we've got pornographic stuff on the computers that you can watch and all kinds of stuff that, that they didn't have the availability to. And they think they were terrible sinners back there. Of course, they had a lot of parties and got drunk and did things that I'm not ashamed of. Man, I'll tell you, if I did some of the things that I did back then, I'd be afraid to shave, show my face the next morning. You know, to get so drunk that you're just doing things that are way out of line. That's why God says, don't get drunk. Because you lost control of who you are. And God doesn't want us out of control, because when we're out of control, guess who's in charge? We sit on the throne, and guess who's whispering in our ear? The devil. And we're out of control, so we just follow whatever voice we think we hear, and it's usually not good. So, But I'm glad that God says, hey, I'll send the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all things. And I'm glad, because he gives us the power and the energy to serve him. I like that song years ago. I don't know whether you know it or not, that Whitney Houston sang it, and it's called You Are the Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh, man, they did that, sang that one year, along with the uh, highlights of the Olympics one year. And I'm not kidding you, by the time she got through singing that song, you know, you had tears in your eyes. Anything patriotic, you know, I get teared up over. You know, I hear the national anthem. And I don't care how many times I've heard it, I still get teared up about it. Because it means something to me in here. Now, I'm a patriot, and I'll fight to my dying breath for the Constitution. Because this, we are a nation led, governed by the Constitution, not by what the liberals tell us to do. They can make all the laws they want, but the Constitution stands alone. And God anointed that document. I'm not kidding, it's amazing what's in that document. You ought to get a copy of the Constitution and read it. And know it. Because it's amazing how 200 years ago, 200 years ago, they wrote it, and it's still good today. Man, those were some smart men, I'll tell you. But they weren't really that smart. It's just that God anointed them. And God can anoint us. We just have to yield to him in order to do that. But I love that song. But it was more or less to scientists' people. You know, tell your lover, you are the wing, wind leap my wings. Oh, it's so loving. Yes, it is. But God can be the only wind beneath our wings. Because he's the only one that can lift us up, truly. <clears throat> now, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the word for spirit also means breath or wind. And you can use those interchangeably. Now, Randy, would you check the heat? It's getting awful cold up here. I don't know what's the matter with that heater. Spent all that money getting it fixed, and it still isn't working right. So, anyway, 
Now, we have breath in it inside us. Without breath, we're dead. Now, I don't know whether you've ever had the wind knocked out of you. I know football players have it knocked out of them uh, a lot. And I'll tell you, it's not fun. I fell off a 20-foot scaffolding. I know I told you this before. And I fell off of there, and I tried to catch every rung on the way down. And I'll tell you, I hit that ground, and I landed on this, this, this foot and just slammed myself into the ground. And I could not breathe. I could not move, and I couldn't do anything. I thought I was going to die. And I wished I would have died. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was very painful. I tried to come over to help me. I said, oh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. And oh, man, after a while, I finally could breathe. But it's, uh, it's hard. Uh, that is one of the most helpless feelings that you can have is when you have the wind knocked out of you. Because the breath of life is knocked out of you, in essence. And it's not fun. Have you ever tried to fly a kite when there's no wind? That's like trying to live a Christian life, you know? When there's no wind, you're, as long as you're running, the kite's flying. And you keep running and running and running, and it's flying, but until you left it go, it fails because there's no wind. Can't fly without a wind. That's what religion is. Religion is like flying a kite without wind. You're running around doing works and trying to struggle with everything, and you're running around until you get burned out. And it's hard when you get burned out. And it's hard preaching up here when he's behind me doing all this stuff. <laughs> Imagination, I'm not here. Oh. <laughs> Never a dull moment. <laughs> but that's what religion is. We run around trying doing things and we keep doing works and everything else. And sooner or later we realize we can't do it. And we quit. And the kite flows. And we think, man, I can't do this. I'm just going to quit and leave it all and quit, and they leave the church. Because they didn't understand that we didn't have to run around trying to get the wind in our kite. The Spirit of God comes within us, and he's the one that gives us the breath and the things to, to live for him. And when we realize that, we realize that we don't have to do all these works to keep our kite flying. We just have to live according to a relationship with God. Now, I can't, I can't live religion Nobody can. I don't care how good you are, you can't live religion. I can live a relationship, though. I'm married, and I live my life as a married woman. I thought my husband would say amen back there, but I guess not. <laughs> because I know that, and I have a relationship. That's how I know I'm married, because I have a relationship with my husband, and that relationship goes on 24-7. And being a believer, a relationship with God is 24-7. We don't have to worry about it. It's just kind of like automatically like breathing. Once the Holy Spirit comes with inside us, we don't have to do anything to keep him there. We just breathe. And God's breath of life flows through us, through his spirit. And sure, we're going to do works, but not because we have to to keep our kite flying, but because we want to. We just can't help but do things because the Spirit lives in us. The third gift of newness means a new covenant. 
Now, God also said, I'll make a new covenant with you or a new testament with you. And that a covenant is a relationship. Now, when people marry, they have to get up in front of witnesses and they make vows to each other and they sign a covenant or a marriage license. Well, God does the same thing. He says, I want a relationship with you. I want to, you, I want to live with inside you. And he signed that covenant with blood to seal it for now and forever. So I'm glad he did it. Now, God won't impose his will on us from the outside. He writes them on our hearts from the inside. That's why I can do some things you can't, and you can do some things I, that I can't. Because one size does not fit all. The basic of salvation, sure, that's one size fits all. But the way we live our life is different. Now, I'm not talking about being allowed to sin. God is very adamant about sin. And he tells us what is sin. And if we willingly go against what he's told us in his word or individually, it's sin. And we need to make sure that we confess that sin to God. But God makes a covenant with us, and God never breaks his covenant. You know, the, uh, America made a lot of covenants with the Native American people. And they broke every single one of them, didn't they? Because they didn't care, it wasn't that important to them. But God will never break a covenant he has made with us. Every promise in this book is ours, but we have to claim it. And in order to claim it, we have to read it. This is the title deed to heaven is in this book. You want to know how to get there? It's in here. Read it. We need to read it. Because our little spirit man inside of each one of us as believers is just craving for the word. It just says, it's just like a sponge. It wants more of the word of God. It wants more of that breath of God within him so we can live. And it's amazing. When we do things like that, we read God's word every day, we pray, we come to church, it's easier to be a believer. It's when we don't read God's word, we don't come to church, and we don't do anything that, that anyone would consider religious, we wonder, man, where'd God go? How come God left me? God didn't leave us. We left him. We have to go back to wherever that place was that, that we let ourselves go into mediocrity and say, God, forgive me, help me, and confess the sins that we've committed and renew that covenant. And God will renew it. <clears throat> Every day is at the beginning of each year, we should take an uh, inventory of our life. Renew our covenant with him. Some married couples renew their vows every year. They did that at the church we used to go to in Colorado. It's kind of a good idea, but it's kind of like communion that we're going to have in a little while. If you have it too often, do it too often, it becomes unimportant. just becomes a ritual, something that you do. And it becomes a work. But we should offer ourselves to God and convert our covenant relationship with him at least once a year or every day. Or when we're convicted of something that we've done, we confess that son, renew the relationship, renew the covenant. Because that's our responsibility. See, God wanted to start all over with Israel many, many times. Israel had broken his commandments, and it led to brokenness, the destruction of the temple, and slavery. A nation's sins affects the whole nation and each person. God wants us to start all over again. God wants, wanted Israel to start all over again and renew the covenant. 
God had a covenant with our nation. The breaking of his commandment leads to the destruction of our institutions, our lives, our cities, and our nation. That's what's wrong with the world today because the sins of a nation affects every person living under that na- in that nation, every single one. I didn't commit the sins that the na- some of the nation, our nation has committed. I didn't legalize sin. The nation did. I don't believe it, and I never will accept that just because they accepted it doesn't mean I have to, and I never will. But it's the downfall of a nation when they call evil good and good evil, and that's where we are today. And we know we're close to the end because of everything that's happening around us. I'm not kidding you. If this isn't the beginning of the tribulation, God's missed a really good chance between the earthquakes and the flooding and the fires, tsunamis. It's just amazing everything that's going on. And all that stuff as believers should draw us closer to him and help us realize God's still on the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. Today is a new beginning. In Christ, all things are made new, and we can become a new creation. All those bad habits or besetting sins. A besetting sin is something that we keep doing over and over and over again. And we just, it's just something that, that we have a problem with. Now all, all of us have different besetting sins. I'm not going to tell you mine. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> we all have them though. Something that just keeps drawing us over here. But the Holy Spirit can break that bondage if we let him. But see we have to let God do those things. Because God can't help us unless we let him help us. God won't force himself on us. He won't force us to do anything. See, when you're in prison, they're forced to do everything. They're told when to sleep, when to get up, when to go do their job that they have to do, and when to go to bed. 24-7, they're told what to do. But see, we're not. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, but it says it doesn't force you into all truth. God doesn't force us to do anything. Even as believers, he doesn't. And I'm glad of that. I'm glad he doesn't force us. Because how do we show our love for God? We show it by him not forcing us to do things. I don't, if you're like me, you don't like forced to be doing anything. You know, if there's a sign that says wet paint, I had to fight the urge not to touch it. You know, or don't walk on the grass. There's just something in us that makes us want to do it, isn't it? Well, each one of us has those things, and I have that problem sometimes just like everybody else. But God will break those things. Now, we still have the sinful nature in us, but we don't have to let it rule us. If we give our lives to God, he can, he can overcome that if we let him. Ezekiel 36, 26. 26. I missed that one? Oh, I'll read it again. I will give you a new heart and a new mind. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you an obedient heart. When we become believers, God's word is written on our hearts. His spirit is placed within us, and God says, I will take your stony heart away or your disobedient heart, and I'll give you an obedient heart. A heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And we live in a world where there's a lot of people that have a heart of stone. 
You know, we have, a, have people that, that fund all this sin in the world. George Soros and a lot of those people have billions and billions of dollars and their greatest fun is trying to, to see how much they can manip manipulate a country or if they can destroy a country. And they're the ones that are, he's the one that's funding a lot of this uh, disturbance in our nation, a lot of these uh, protests that they have. He pays them to do it. It's a pretty good job, too. Get 15 bucks an hour to go destroy stuff. So we need to pray for George Soros. He's a Jew, which amazes me, and he hates the Jewish people. And to me, I cannot understand that, but only God can break through his heart of stone and, turn, and save him. So we need to pray for these people and go change the things that they put into effect every chance we get if we can. But this New Year, God says, I will give you a new heart. A new heart is a new way of thinking. He says, I will give you a new spirit. A new spirit is a new motivation. I will make a new covenant with you. A new covenant is a new relationship. Now these gifts are out there for us. All we have to do is accept Christ as our personal Savior. Believe that he died on a cross for our sin. Of course, we have to believe we're sinners and need to be saved and can't save ourselves. So we have to do that. We have to accept this sacrifice that he gave for us and believe that God raised him from the dead. It's that simple. And then we get everything that God has promised. We, that's our title deed to heaven. And no one can take it away from us. No one. No law. No person. They can throw us in jail. They can do whatever they want, but we still will not lose our salvation. Amen. It's impossible for us to lose it. God has it in his hand. But if we don't want to be a believer, we can tell God to take a hike and walk away, and he won't stop you. He'll convict you and keep trying to draw you back. But God won't let you out. You have to really want to get away. And I don't know anybody that wants to get away once they've tasted and seen that God is good. I don't want to go back to the life I had before I became a believer. Oh, I had a lot of fun back there. I can't say that I didn't. But the, t the fun I have now is a lot greater. I don't need to worry about waking up with a hangover. You know, that's a great feeling alone. You know, people I could just say for that one. Because hangovers aren't fun. You people that haven't had those... You're blessed. <laughs> it, it, it's not a fun experience. But God can break those bondages. We don't have to live like that. He died to have a relationship with us. We can receive the gift of a new heart, a new spirit, and a new covenant for a new beginning. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this day and your blessings. And I'm thankful for all the gifts that you provided.